Hi gorgeous, welcome to Fitness and Mimosas, a podcast of girlfriends from around the world who lift up each other, celebrate each other, and embrace our own definition of beautiful. So let's go ahead and put down our kettlebells, slide into a pair of sexy slitters, and have a great time. Welcome to the party! Hi, beautifuls. Today we have the gorgeous Patrice Rusu of Beauty Time RN joining us. Welcome, Patrice. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be on here with you. Oh, I'm excited to have you, beautiful. Um, a little bit about you. So you're a plastic, uh, you're an RN who works in a plastic surgery practice, and you work with patients all the way from beginning to the end of this surgery. And the reason why I really Invite her over cocktails is not just because of her knowledge base, but because it's bombshells, because I call all my clients, all my girlfriends, my bombshells. Um, we sit down with the best of the best. So, Patrice, what I loved about you is not just your knowledge base, but it's also your glowing personality, your beautiful essence of who you are, and then your bravery to create a mission to talk about something that's not often talked about. So welcome to the Fitness and Minnesota podcast, Gorgeous. Thank you so much. Thank you for that great introduction. Yeah. Could you share a little bit about your position and what it is that you do? Yeah, absolutely. So I work in a small plastic surgery practice. I do basically, I wear a lot of hats, but basically, like you said, I help patients from the very beginning to the very end of their surgery, so from the consultation to their post-op. But I also do a lot of non-invasive procedures myself such as injectables, chemical peels. So I see my own patients as well. So I kind of get two different um, views on plastic surgery. My side is non-invasive, but then I also get to help with the actual surgeries as well. I love it. I love that. Um, on your site, you said that a part of your mission is to have a dialogue on Warning, this is a little bit of a long question. I'm going to break it down in parts for you. So on your website, you say that part of the mission of your site is to have a dialogue about stereotypes that cause people to feel uncomfortable talking about plastic surgery and how you want people to have positive thoughts and conversations around it so they can be comfortable in decisions that they make and improving the self-confidence goes far beyond the surface level. So my first question for you is, what is the dialogue that you see most, and what are the stereotypes about plastic surgery, and what is your response to that? Right. So in, in terms of stereotypes, I think people just, when they think of plastic surgery, they just think of maybe they've watched botched, or maybe they um, have seen someone that has been overly done, mm-hmm. and they just picture that in their mind. But mm-hmm. plastic surgery, I mean, it's evolved so much that most most people that have it done, no one would ever even know if they've had anything done because they just look natural and beautiful. And it's, I just, I, my whole side of it is trying to break the stereotype that plastic surgery is going to make somebody look fake because it's yeah. really just about enhancing, um, about natural outcomes and about gaining confidence. Um, and sometimes people come in and they'll, they'll, have something that they've been dealing with their whole life and it actually means a lot more to them than you would ever think. So to put them down for trying to change that and feel better about themselves is, in my opinion, is the reason why I really got into this field. I love that. I, yeah, yeah, that's, that's so, so true because I, 
I think people do sort of struggle with that. Like, oh, well, that person is trying to be a Barbie doll, you know? And be 100% with you, I think if someone's trying to be a Barbie doll too, that's okay. But you're right. Plastic surgery also should look like, you know, you don't get, you haven't got anything done, you know? Like, all spectrums are okay. What is the key to not looking like you're one of the um, clients on Botched? Like, what questions do you ask your doctor? What should you be looking for? I mean, first and foremost, you know, speaking a board-certified plastic surgeon, maybe looking at their before and afters and seeing what their aesthetic sense is, Mm -hmm. I think that's important. And then just taking things one step at a time. You know, um, if someone comes in and wants a bunch of things done at once, we'll always scale it back and say, well, let's start here, Mm -hmm. or let's do what makes the most sense. Mm -hmm. I think just being careful when you go to a consultation, if the doctor is trying to oversell you, that should be a red flag. Uh, okay. And in terms of the mental aspect of it, how do we view this in a more positive way? So instead of thinking of, okay, we're ashamed about something about ourselves, like what do you say, I don't know, if any mental key points, what do you say about loving ourselves into a sexier frame? Like how can you sort of reframe that as a patient? Right. So I think it's, it's, that it's kind of like um, almost a different space because mm. I think most of, most patients that actually seek plastic surgery, they're really just maybe, maybe they're post having children or it's, or those are the patients I see anyway. So it's, it's mental health or anything like that usually doesn't really come into for my area okay. just because yeah um, but I mean I think that's, that's something that is not going to be fixed with plastic surgery you yeah. know what I mean that's something that a, a psychiatric professional would be able to help with yeah when you said um, on your site that improving self confidence goes beyond the surface what do you mean by that that's a great question so that's probably like one of my favorite things to talk about and that's because I do believe that so when we let's say go get our nails done, go get our hair done and mm-hmm. I think plastic surgery just kind of um, goes alongside with that. We're basically just trying to improve ourselves. We're trying to feel better about ourselves. We're trying to gain yeah. more confidence. And I mean I know like after for example after I get my hair done like I walk outside and I feel like a new person and I'm yes. confident and I feel like I feel like I can talk to like people in a different way. <laughs> it's honestly just it's about gaining confidence, it's about um being self aware and um I think it, it goes far beyond just improving looks. Oh, I love that. I, I love that analogy you gave because you're right. It's like when you get your hair done, hair's done and your nails did, you just feel better about yourself, you know? Um, yes. What is the most popular, whether it's plastic surgery and or invasive, non-invasive procedure that you see? Uh, for non-invasive or minimally invasive, I would have to go with Botox. It's one of those things that kind of almost everyone does. No one really talks about it, but a lot of of people do. Um, And then for surgery-wise, I I would have to go with breast augmentation. Okay. Are there anything, um, 
Maybe it's actually, you know what? I'm going to circle back to this question because I, I just have a feeling it's going to be better off later. So something about me is I'm saving up my coins to get breast implants. I've been saving up for a little while. I'm like, that's one of my goals. <laughs> so a lot of my questions might be about that. Cause like in my head, I know what I want it to look like. I know I want like perky, like I am ready. <laughs> Gorgeous. I am ready. <laughs> so how do you, how do you pick the right breast implant size? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, part of it will be kind of deciding it with the plastic surgeon based on your anatomy. Okay. Um, yeah, because you don't want to pick something that's overly big and isn't going to fit into your anatomy. Mm-hmm. But you also don't want to pick something so small that is not going to give you a pleasing result. But I think it's about finding the right size. And there's so many different modalities that you can do that either looking at before and afters of somebody with your body frame and your size, mm-hmm. um, whether it's trying, a lot of plastic surgeons will have like a sizing system, so you can actually try on different size implants. Oh, that's And so you can cool. actually feel and emulate what your breast will look like. Yeah. And then just more recently, they've gone more advanced where they have an imaging system, so they can actually scan your body, put in implants like different implant sizes so you can see how it will actually look like on your body oh my goodness i i need to do this yesterday oh that sounds awesome (laughs) i love it so what's the difference between going under the muscle versus over the muscle so under the muscle it's usually it's usually mostly the way people go there is a longer recovery However, you're going to have a more natural result, and there is less likely of, like, complications such as capsule contracture, things like that. So that is the most common um, way to do it. A lot of people that go over the muscle are usually more like athletes, and the reason for that is because if you go under the muscle, and let's say you work out your pec muscles all the time, you're kind of you're you're not going to have as full of strength in your pec muscles or as you could if it's over the muscle. Ah, uh, okay. Okay. And so when you're saying workout all the time, like let's say in my case and I do, like I compete once in a while, but I don't know, that stage might just have to be left alone and gather the dust. So do you mean like a full-time athlete or if you're someone who works out like four to five times a week? Like what would you say? Uh, I'm... I'm thinking full-time athlete. Okay. Yeah. Okay, cool. And what's the difference between saline and silicone implants? So saline is actually, it's a silicone shell, but it's filled with saline, which is basically water. And then silicone, there's two different types of silicone. There's the silicone, like if you were to cut the implant in half, the silicone would leak out. And then there's the more um, common implant now is called the gummy bear implant. So that mm-hmm. one is silicone, but if you were to cut it in half, it would retain its shape. So oh. it's kind of cool. Wow. And it's one of the more popular ones, yeah. Oh, my gosh. So which one is it that, and granted, you're an expert on this, I'm not, but which one is it where if it leaks, it could, like, hurt you, and the other one, it just, like, goes into your bloodstream or circulates in your body? So the saline, if it 
if, let's say if you were to have a rupture for some reason, and rupture is less likely nowadays because the implants are very advanced. I mean, you hardly ever see them anymore. But if you were to have a rupture with the saline implant, your body would just absorb the water. It would do no harm to you. You would just have to have the implant removed and a new one put in. Okay. Um, with the silicone, the one that I said is a little more liquid. So that one, it's possible, like, it would leak out, but it would stay within a shell. Mm. If you catch it quick enough, you can just kind of take it out. If you don't catch it quick enough, it can kind of maybe cross through the shell, and then it's kind of trapped in the breast, and then the doctor would just have to go in and clean that out. And then the gummy bear one, that one is the ruptures. There's nothing leaks out. It just holds its shape, so there's really no no silicone that's leaking out or anything. Uh, okay. Are there any preference in terms of, like, breast cancer? Like, is it harder or easier to, like, screen for breast cancer with one type of implant versus the other? So, another, so going back to when you were asking over versus under the muscle. So, actually, if you go under the muscle, you are more likely to, it's easier to screen for breast cancer because the muscle Mm. pushes the the breast tissue out, and it's actually easier to screen for breast cancer. Wow. I never thought about that. Oh, that's so cool. Do you, so something I noticed, did you also need to get, when you get breast implants, do you also need to get a breast lift done with that? Uh, most of the time, not. Okay. I mean, it, it depends, obviously, on the person. Sometimes a person will just get a straight breast augmentation. Sometimes if they need a little bit of a lift, by doing a bigger implant, that's enough to also lift the breast a little bit. And sometimes um, you need a lift as well as a breast augmentation. Okay. Huh. So cool. About how much would you say is, like, reasonable? Or if you heard the number, you should be, like, like not not so cheap. Or, like, oh, I can swing this. And then all of a sudden you're working, waking up with weird stuff in your body. <laughs> but, but, not, but also not, like, to the point where, like, okay, I feel like I just paid for this guy's mansion. So about what range, price range, should you look for? <laughs> Oh my gosh, it's so different every in every location and mm. um, everywhere you go. I mean, I I have a lot of friends that have breast augmentations, and I'll always ask them a million questions: How much was it? You know, where'd you get it done? So, in my area where I am in Boston, around seventy five hundred is pretty accurate. Okay. For example, New York City because it's so saturated, mm-hmm. you can find like five thousand. Um, so I probably say between five and ten, depend, depending on your location. Okay. Girl, you should see my notebook right now. I have, like, all these notes. <laughs> I'm, like, ready. <laughs> it's just world better watch out. So, and this, circling back to the question I was going to ask before. So, this might seem a little random, um, but when I used to work at a physical therapy clinic, the patients would talk about different things that no one necessarily told them before, but that was helpful. So, for example, if you had, like, hip surgery or knee surgery it's helpful to get those, like, higher toilet seats that you can buy. You know, it seems like for the elderly that we don't have to bend and your knees not bend a 90-degree flexion when you can't get down that low. Do you know if there's, like, anything really with any any of the plastic surgery options, would you say that there's something that, that people should know but they don't know going into it? Um, I mean, it varies so much based on the procedure. Oh. I think maybe 
one thing I, I would suggest is to just do your research on like post-op recovery mm-hmm. because I think a lot of people get really excited about the surgery and they're they're not really thinking about the afterwards but they don't take enough time off of work they don't mm-hmm. have enough child care afterwards so mm-hmm. I think just allowing yourself to recover from the procedure because you're paying a pretty significant amount of money right. you want a nice result so why not take that extra couple of days to recover nicely right about what would you? What procedure would you say takes the longest amount in terms of recovery from? And like, how much did you take? Definitely a tummy tuck. Okay. It, usually, people are probably laying low for about two weeks and then returning to like an office job about two weeks afterwards. Okay. Okay. And if it's something like someone gets a tummy tuck, and then because I I know like with that. You sort of have that light whole lifestyle change and everything too, and then they gain um, gain weight. Have you ever seen like anything happen where in terms of they'll take the skin in somewhere else, but then they gain weight, so the fat goes elsewhere? Is that possible? Um. Yeah. I mean, not tummy tucks are usually reserved for skin tightening, so they basically just um, pull your skin so it's tighter. Okay. If you were to do a procedure such as liposuction, if the area that they take the fat out of will forever hold less fat moving forward than other areas. So if you are taking a lot of fat, it's going to go somewhere else rather than that area because you have less fat cells in that area to hold fat, basically. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, you had on your website, you had done a video talking a bit about liposuction versus cool sculpting. Could you talk a little bit about what the, those two are and what's the difference between them and the benefits? Sure. Yeah. So liposuction and cool sculpting are very similar. Like I said, once you get rid of those fat cells in an area, they're, they're gone for good. They don't come back. So you're going to hold less fat there. So these procedures are really for body contouring. It's not for total weight loss. It's just for people who have like stubborn areas that they can't get rid of. And the difference is cool sculpting is non-invasive. There's no downtime from it. It's, um, there's no garment that you have to wear afterwards. For liposuction, there is a little bit more of a downtime. You have to wear a garment for four weeks. You probably have to take a couple days off from work. So there's definitely a difference there. Um, in terms of price, they're usually about, they're similarly priced. Liposuction is going to be a little more just because you're paying for facility and OR fee. Mm. But price-wise, they're usually priced pretty similar. Um, what? And how about the booty? Because the booty is like all the thing these days. <laughs> what? <laughs> and there's a lot of speculation with like different celebrities and what they did. So what options yeah. do we have for lifting and perfecting our peaches? Right. So you have the traditional butt lift, which isn't very favorable nowadays because it does leave um, you with a scar. Mm. You have fat transfer, which I think is definitely very, very popular nowadays, where you take fat from one area and put it in the buttocks. And then you have um, Sculptra, which is an injectable that is injected. This is a more non-invasive option. Okay. And it's injected and it causes your own collagen to produce and therefore augment 
that area. And then the mm-hmm. last option is obviously butt implants. So are any of these options something where you have to, like, keep on going back to have it redone, like if you had the collagen injected in the area? Yeah, that's, I mean, that's usually one and done unless you want more volume. Okay. Um, for the liposuction, that's the one that, like, the fat transfer, that's the one that sometimes people will have to go back for. And the reason for that is because not all of the fat will graft and take in that area. So kind of what you mm-hmm. leave with after the surgery, and most people don't know this, but what you leave with after the surgery, most half, about half of that will actually go down over the course of a couple months. Oh, really? So you might have to go back and get more fat transferred to that area. Oh, wow. Wow, I did not know that. Um, so you mentioned earlier that Botox is probably one of the most popular things that you see. So what is Botox and how does it work? So Botox is a neuromodulator. It basically relaxes an area so you can't move it as much. So you're not going to be totally frozen. People aren't even going to notice you've had it done, really. But it it basically relaxes an area. It's mostly commonly used in the forehead, in between the eyebrows, which is sometimes called the 11th, and then right near your eyes, which are called the crow's feet. So by relaxing that area, not only are you preventing future wrinkles, but you're also smoothing out if there are any wrinkles there. So sometimes people will start later on in life once they've already developed wrinkles, and then other people will do it for preventative reasons. Okay. Okay. And what is, so the term med spa is pretty popular. What is a med spa in general? Like, So a med spa is, a spa that provides medical procedures. They might do cool sculpting. They might do chemical peels, microneedling, injectables. They're usually just non-invasive or minimally invasive procedures. They're not going to do any anything like liposuction or any more surgical than that. Okay. Um, so here's our Kylie, our Kylie Jenner section here, so you already know where I'm going. Um, but <laughs> what are the different types of lip fillers and how do you stay away from duck lips? Not saying that she has them, but like I said kudos to her cause she made that much money off her lips, but, um, <laughs> what are the different types of lip fillers and what should we be looking for? So there's different types of manufacturers and then there's different types of how thick the filler is. Okay. Most commonly Juvederm Ultra Plus is used, which is kind of, middle ground, that they're all hyaluronic acid fillers, which means that hyaluronic acid is found in your skin already. Mm-hmm. So it's not something that people are ever allergic to or anything like that because it's a synthetic material. And But because we have it in our bodies already, our body will metabolize it out. So fillers usually last about six months to a year in the lips. Okay. Huh. That's so cool. How did you start in all this, Gorgeous? Like, everything you're talking about, it, I'm just so entranced by it. How did you, like, get drawn into this world? Because it's just, it's so neat. Like, you get to really transform people's lives and their bodies. Yeah, so it's, it's actually a pretty good story. So I was on vacation, and I, you know, I was just talking to people nearby, and I met this girl, and she's like, oh, I live in California, and I'm a nurse. 
And I said, oh, cool, I'm in nursing school. What kind of nurse are you? And she was like, I'm a plastic surgery nurse. And I never even thought that was an option. So when I got back from my vacation, I was like looking into it. And I was just thinking to myself, like, wow, I love stuff that has to do with beauty, but I also love healthcare. So this is almost like just made for me. And so I started working where I work now as while I was in nursing school. And once I finished nursing school, they asked me to stay and provided me with all the training. So I really got to see it from different different views. Oh, wow. And, yeah, so I'm, it, it's really just a career that was almost made for me. Wow, I love that. It just unfolded. Like every step you took, it just unfolded <laughs> right with you. That's so cool. <laughs> yes. So yes. as someone who takes care of other people, because that's what you do in your job, how do you take care of yourself? Um, you know, I, I'm a very feminine and girly person. I mean, I like I to go get my nails done, go get my hair done. I spend a lot of time with my friends and with my family. So I think, I, I think self-care is one of the most important things just to keep you sane and mm-hmm. to just give you a very fulfilled life and um so I think just just regular girly things that I think just self-care in general make me feel good about myself and um kind of make what I do worth it I love it oh when I was um competing in bikini competitions I had this period of time where I I call it call, stepping out of my woman role, right? So, because I was comparing myself to others instead of seeing them as as a testament that I could do it too. Like, oh, this is so cool what she did, but I have to still respect where my body is and appreciate it where I am, you know? How uh-huh. do you, and, and I lost myself in thinking, okay, so I need to work on this. I need to fix this. So how do you stay in that world um, but not get lost in a cycle of comparison. Like, have you ever felt a pull to being like, okay, this this person's doing this, or I've had help 10 people do this, so maybe I should do this too? Or how do you have your role where you stand alone and this is who I am, this is my beauty, this is my worth, and this is the next step I'm going to take? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think it's, it's a balance. I think looking mm-hmm. at what other people are doing and just if it's working for them, maybe trying it, see if it will work for you. But I think also just maintaining who you are and what makes you beautiful is really, like, the most important because there's going to be a lot of differences between people, and I think just accepting the differences but love and embracing the differences is really just amazing because, for example, like, I look at my friends and we all just look different, and we all have different great qualities, and I think that's what makes us great friends because we can all embrace each other's different qualities. And I don't, I don't think comparing yourself to somebody and trying to be something you're not is going to do anybody any good. Yeah. Oh, I love it. See, this is why I invited you here. It's just the essence of your soul. Like this is perfect. Um, the words "sexy" and "beauty." What do those two words mean to you? I'm sorry, can you repeat that? Um, well, the word sexy and beauty, what do those two words mean to you? So, I think, first of all, I think it's um, the way that somebody feels about themselves. 
mm-hmm. think, you know, because we, we all have, just like I said, different qualities. So I think it's just doing things that make you feel sexy or make you feel beautiful. And it's not necessarily trying to get there. It's more just embracing the qualities you have and maybe like, you know, getting your hair done or something that will give you more confidence is going to make you feel sexier and more beautiful as well. Oh, I love that. I think that might be the pink diamond right there of the whole thing. <laughs> that's that's beautiful. The whole idea that it's not about something outside of us, but it's just embracing what's in within us. That's beautiful. Oh, I love that. Um, I mean, you covered this in the beginning, but what does a healthy approach to plastic surgery look like? I'm sorry, what was, can you repeat that question? Um, what does a healthy approach to plastic surgery look like? I think just doing things at, like, your age. Like, in your 20s, you might practice with skincare. Mm. In your 30s, you might start doing, like, Botox and microneedling or chemical peels. In your 40s, maybe starting some fillers. Like, I think just um, doing anti-aging things is it's easier to prevent than to kind of fix something or restore something. Right. So I think just doing things at your age that you are in just preventing versus trying to fix and change and, you know, try to try to change something that is not meant to be changed. Oh, I love that. What does the word femininity mean to you? So I'm, when I think of that word, I think of it in a very traditional sense, um, mm-hmm. just because I grew up in a very traditional household and, um, when I think of femininity, I think of the qualities of being nurturing, being self-giving, um, having loving deeply, having passion, having great feeling sexy and sensitive. And some yeah. people will look at the qualities and be like, well, those, those aren't like qualities of strength, but I believe that you can say those qualities to be your strength. So mm. like sensitive may, may sound like, um, like a weak quality, but I think being sensitive is what allows us to feel deeply and be self-aware. Yeah. Yes. Um, so I, I, <laughs> I am a very feminine person, um, and I, I do believe in gender roles just in terms of, like, modern-day gender roles. I mean, mm-hmm. just because, I mean, I can't say that, oh, 50 years ago was totally different than it is now. So I think just um, in a traditional sense, just thinking of, I'm a very feminine person, so I'm attracted to a very masculine person. And, um, um, yeah. No, I love that. I, I, that's, that's a really beautiful picture, <laughs> I, I though. I kind of got lost. I kind of got lost in saying No, that's beautiful, especially the part where you're saying, like, sensitivity you know, tank strength as well. There is someone who came on um, Lisa, Miss Lisa Espinoza. She came a few episodes ago and she was talking how about she sees, she ties it all with strength because it takes strength to be soft, right? It takes strength to be beautiful. It takes strength to be sensitive. And so I, I love right. that. I love how you tie that in together. That's beautiful. What advice uh, do you have for your 11-year-old? And then what advice would you give to your 21-year-old self? Um, so I think 
in terms of thinking of when I was 11, I think um, probably one of the weirdest things I think about when I think about that age is that it was cool to be dumb in school. Mm-hmm. I remember I would get A's and hide that from my peers because I was embarrassed. But looking back, I would just tell myself, like, it's cool to be smart and no one can take knowledge away from you. Wow. Wow, I love it. Yeah. And then I guess my 21-year-old self, uh, that wasn't too long ago. <laughs> um, so I do feel like I, I have changed immensely in the last couple of years. Um, yeah. But if, it, if there's one thing I would tell my 21 self is to be more outgoing. I'm a very shy extrovert, so I'm usually pretty quiet around people I don't know. But lately, I've noticed, like, I'll spark conversations among, like, random people. And you never know what comes out of it. You never yeah. know what someone's story might be. So I think if there was one advice I'd give myself when I was 21 is to be more open and talk to different kinds of people and get to know people everywhere you go. Oh, I love that. I love that. What would you like to tell the world about Beauty Time RN and about plastic surgery in general? I think I would just like to tell people that it's it's not the stereotypical plastic surgery that it used to be and people used to think of. Mm-hmm. It, it's evolved to just be more natural and fit into people's lives. And it's, it's one of those things that I hope everyone can be open to talk about it. I mean, I'm not, I'm not here to tell people they need plastic surgery or anything like that. Mm-hmm. I just want the people that want to have it done to feel supported and yeah. feel confident in sharing it with their peers or their significant other or their family members. Um, because it, just like anything else, you know, if, if you wanted to do something and you told your family members and they didn't support you, you would just not feel good about yourself. So right. I just think it should, it should be talked about. And if somebody wants to do it, they shouldn't feel like they're being criticized or judged. Wow. I didn't, you know, I didn't even think about that. What would you tell the person who, like, they want to get something done, but they know that they'll be looked down on? Or maybe someone who has gotten something done and now people are talking about them, whether it's from jealousy or judgment. Like, what do you tell that person? Right. And and I see it every day, especially because I live in New England and mm-hmm. people come in and get it done, but they don't want anybody to know. They don't want their yeah. you know sister to know. They don't want their significant other to know. So I think it's just maybe telling them that it's okay to be open. Yeah. And if they're not comfortable, if they're not comfortable being open, you know, that's all right too. But they... They actually might be surprised because sometimes you might start the conversation with somebody and maybe that person was embarrassed to speak about something they have had done. And they're like, hey, you know what? I've had something done, too, but mm-hmm. I was embarrassed to share. So, it's not, you know, it, it, it might surprise you. Wow. I love that. And I just I really want to say thank you for, you know, like coming on the show and for just like your mission and for your business. Like, I think this is something that the world really needs. Like, it's not talked about and it's pushed underneath the table. And when, when I, you know, we met in the society and, you know, when you mentioned what you did, I was like, oh my goodness, I have got to reach out to her because this is, you know, is this should be an open conversation. We're a sisterhood. So it's about helping each other. 
you know. Absolutely. I love that. Oh, goodness. Like, thank you so, so much. Thank Um, you so much. (laughs) Where can we find you, Gorgeous? Where can we connect with you? Um, So I have a website called beautytimern.com. I also have a YouTube channel and a Twitter. They're all beautytimern.com or beautytimern for the Twitter and the YouTube. And on Instagram, it's Patrice Adeline, which is my first and last name. Cool, cool, cool. So, ladies, if you want to, um, if you have any more questions, I know I will be avidly following, <laughs> asking more questions <laughs> and everything. So, feel free to to join Patrice at Beauty Time Hour. But thanks again for coming, beautiful. It's been such a blessing to have you. Thank you so much. You are amazing. Thank you. Aw, thanks, beautiful. So, beautifuls, thanks so much for joining the gorgeous Patrice and I for another episode of Fitness and Mimosas. Um, remember, life is about being your own definition of beautiful, making life beautiful, and then also making someone else's day beautiful. So whether it's a smile, whether it's a hug, whether it's a handshake, whether it's a compliment to a stranger, let's lift up someone else's world today. So I love you guys a lot, and I will see you in the next episode. Take care. Hi, gorgeous. If any part of this podcast made you go, yes, girl, yes, girl, yes, Please rate this podcast and leave a review below. This is a sisterhood, and the more we support each other, the more we get to stand together. To test out more booty building workouts, get your free six-day booty transformation guide at bombshellbuttlift.com. And in the words of Coco Chanel, you can be gorgeous at 30, charming at 40, and irresistible for the rest of your life. Love you. Have a beautiful day.